All right, so we got that. We got some things. Cool. We'll jump into it. I'll talk about. Um, yeah, I'll start with your health. All right, ladies and gentlemen, episode forty-four of the Cathode Ray Podcast. Steve is here with me, looking very yellow, but feeling better. How you doing? And how's your health, buddy? <laughs> yellow, yes, great uh, melancholy color here. I thought I'd try to brighten it up from the dark mm. uh, look of last week's episode. So a little more light, a little bit different hoodie. Uh, the, I actually realized. Like I had filmed the first update video, which I did about a week ago, eight to 10 days Mm. ago. And I was wearing a green uh, bear hoodie. And then I filmed the second update yesterday and I was wearing the same bear hoodie. (laughs) And then I was wearing that bear hoodie this morning. And I was like, I've got to change this up or people are (laughs) going to just think this is all one day. Or that I'm never changing my clothes or anything. So all those people decided to go with the yellow. In your comments, are going to think that's part of the conspiracy. There's some conspiracy. Well, I'm guessing you've never said nothing. You've never, you know, you don't <laughs> give out those details. You just let the people say and think what they think, and they're going to be like, the bear is a symbol of the deep <laughs> underground, and it's the bear is going to rise up after its long hibernation. We are the silent minority or majority or medium amount of people whoever the fuck they always think there's more so yeah, yeah. it's a symbol they're going to be people wearing those yeah bear yeah, jerseys. No, that is true yeah. i didn't even think about that yeah so that's go, even better let's go so, yeah. brandon let's go steve yeah yeah so but i mean i'm doing better i had a mri uh yesterday which was a pretty intense experience i had never had an mri before i didn't i kind of just thought it was going to be a simple quick experience and it wasn't that's the machine all. right is that the full yeah like a machine yeah. so it's uh it's it's like it's pretty close to like a torture device without the pain, right? right it's, okay. it's, it's it's like, but it mentally can put you in a place like that mm. because you're literally like, I mean, laying down and shoved into a tube, and then like, like I could look like this and I could see out the top of the tube, but that's that's probably a foot above my head, and you're like told to stay still. It was an hour, over an hour long. Oh, really? For an hour? Yeah. I thought they just stick in. No, yeah, man. And it was like, and they're like, don't move. And then you get headphones. Mm. And they're like playing classic rock music. <laughs> and simultaneously, <laughs> this like AI voice comes on over mm. the music and tells you to do these crazy breathing commands randomly. It's like, okay, take in breath now. <laughs> exhale now and hold breath and then all of a sudden you hear the machine start working like around you mm. and it's just sounding like you're being it sounds it feels like you're being like copied <laughs> like sure, a copy you're in a massive you're like xerox and then uh you're getting cold air blown on you the whole time to keep you cool okay. and like um after like 45 minutes, I was like, I can't feel my toes anymore. It's so cold. <laughs> like, I'm just like, okay. And I had like this little ball in my hand, hmm. but I was like, I am not stopping this. Right. Oh, they was that me- a, a thing to like, so you, for comfort? Well, it's like, like no, for- it's like, it's a, it's an indicator to them. If you start freaking out, it's oh. like, hmm. I'm telling you that like the, the top of this tube, it's hmm. like here. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, pretty- it's like s- no more than f- five or six inches. It feels like from your face. Mm. So literally, um, I was thinking away like what it felt like. I would like close my eyes and almost try to go into a weird hibernation state of like 
being able to physically follow these breathing commands, but at the same time, like mentally going uh, mm. somewhere else. And the only thing I could re- really compare it to is, uh, remember the movie Fight Club? Sure. So when Edward Norton's character would just like try to disappear from pain, he would go to this, he would go to like close his eyes and he'd end up in like this cold, icy cave. And that was kind of like what it felt like. I would just like close my eyes. It's so cold. And I would just be like, all right, I'm just like chilling in an icy cave and not even like, I didn't, I basically didn't open my eyes the whole time because I didn't want to look and start thinking about, because I mean, they ask you, are you claustrophobic? But you're like, Mm. I don't know. I've never really been. So are you? In a situation. So no, I mean, I didn't freak out or anything. No, they said I did Mm. really great, but. Because I, I didn't move, I didn't, I didn't squeeze the stress ball or anything. Is the stress ball stayed... hooked up to something, or it's just if you yeah, squeeze it's an it, indicator. Then you know... It's it, they'll that way they'll 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 immediately stop everything and yeah, yeah, yeah like you... they can pull you out oh. if you like if you start freaking out or something. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you know, I mean, it sucks. They have I had to get an IV put in and stuff for it. Like so, mm. I still had to get because they have to administer something to me. And I did feel a little woozy. They told me that was possible mm-hmm. from that. From I felt that. woozy and like tired again. Like I felt pretty good. Like I've been getting my strength back sure. all week. And then I did that and it was like, oh, so I felt a little tired. So sounds like, uh, you're, sounds like you're in the middle of a CRT tube. Like you're a little, is, right? you're a little <laughs> toy soldier and you found your way inside of the vacuum of the tube. There's a thing at one end. There's radiation going right through you. Oh my gosh. Now yeah, you know. Analysis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, the I actually the the video that I I did as a follow up is pretty much a detailed explanation of the MRI I went through. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. the last thing, I've got a follow up appointment in eight days, uh, with a physician. To is that where they tell you they the results? Yeah, of the MRI. but the like I could go on to their website and look at the results, but it's like mm-hmm. five thousand pictures of my heart. Yeah, okay. With like, what the hell? They're like, uh, you wouldn't know how to interpret that. They're like, tell me, like, hey, you're welcome to go in there, Hmm. but don't start worrying about anything. And I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I'm not. And they're like, don't, good. I guess a lot of people, you know, are really into it, of course. Hmm. Like, and I might look at it just to see what it shows, uh, but still, um, I don't want to add like any extra real stress about it. Sure, you don't know. I don't have any idea what I'm looking at. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, we'll just see, um, you know, so as it left you, you, you're improving your health, like just feeling stronger generally. And then, okay. Yesterday was a little bit of extra, but how are you doing today? Mm. Yeah, I'm feeling better today and tomorrow will be the big test because, uh, I'm going to finally get out of here and do something. I've got, um, like my kids and my family, we like to go that we live a less than a mile from a university here. And I've shown you pictures of us going to games, like sporting mm. events. Uh, so we've got tickets to the basketball game tomorrow. I've actually got tickets. They've got four more games left in the season. Mm. And they're all pretty big games. Like, they're, uh, they're a team that's won. I mean, they're pretty good. They're not, like, at the top of the conference, but they're in the top couple. Sure. So it's competitive. And, like, uh, so we'll be, I mean, I'm going to that game tomorrow night. So that'll be a real test. Because cool. I'll be getting definitely excited, I'm sure, uh, at the game. So uh, we're all going to that. And then uh, – so we'll see. Next okay, week I'll have a report. To, 
Good to have something give to go it, to Give it game, some yeah. tests because, yeah. like, the doctors were talking about doing, like, um, this was when I was in the hospital, but they were talking about doing a stress test where they basically stress your heart out and then see how you react to it. So it's, you know, it's, it's almost like when they tell you that, you're almost like, oh, gosh, that sounds kind of scary. But hey, what's the guy got? The guy, the doctor's got this CRT on the second level, and he's like, "All right, see how it's on the edge. See how it could just fall over. This is your good BVM, well, Steve. Let's just see. How do you feel let's about see. this? Let's see how you actually survive when we push it over. <laughs> oh, good, you're okay. Back up. Yeah. So yeah, that's but that's a good update, and um, we'll just take it week by week. I'm hoping to finally get um, like. Something going on an episode where I've been working for a while about uh, shipping and mm -hmm. like I got a bunch of people to send me photographs of CRTs being damaged <laughs> and because I put a post out on Twitter, it's still pinned on my Twitter mm -hmm. uh, profile if you want to even go contribute now because I probably won't have it done yet. But the idea is, I mean, I must have 100 photos of CRTs already. Uh, I saw where Linus had like a CRT shift to him that showed up mm. in like a thousand pieces. So I thought, yeah, you know, it's been a good time to go in and talk about shipping. Plus I had two PVMs show up that both were damaged um, in shipping like yeah. this month, mm. the last two I bought. So good timing. Okay. You got a lot to go through with this. Yeah. yeah so hopefully real. I do that one. I'm real cautious about shipping because uh, I've started to learn. I mean, I, it sounds so stupid. I've started to learn how to ship stuff to America. I've shipped a few parcels now, Roger, Shank. Uh, and I want to sort of bit by bit sell off some of my collection, not the just sort of the stuff that's worth about 50 bucks or so, like somewhere in that range or 100. Nothing too cheap, but I, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, I don't know how much real expensive stuff I've got anyway. But uh, yeah, Shank. I sent some stuff to Shank. And then he was like, he wants one of the Spice Orange GameCubes. And I just don't feel good enough to ship it, like, from here to America. I don't think... I mean, I guess I can, sure. I can go down to the post office, pack it with stuff, the nuts, the, the paper, the whole thing. And I probably would be fine, but I've just, I'm not feeling good about shipping a console like that over to him. So I've got a few other things. Controllers, and i got a couple of GB... i got a, one GBA player, i got another one for him. So a few things like that, but I think not a console yet i'm not maybe the europe i think i might <laughs> ship so i'm coming up with a list of the things that i would like to move and i'm not sure whether i should put on an ebay or put it up to um it'll be easy to sell kind of locally so uh maybe you can find sellers in the people who want to buy it in europe or something so i'm getting to that it's helping me yeah there was a there's a guy that for years would sell um on a facebook group his name is daniel uh and he was in Japan, and he hmm. just sold all kinds of stuff in the Facebook group. And it's pretty much, you know, he was always like 5 to $10 less than whatever it would cost on eBay to get it. Mm -hmm. And it would be something that would be kind of hard to get. Mm. And um, I was cautious and kind of like, well, I don't know if he'll really – because it's a ton of consoles. Sure. And, I mean, um, I bought numerous consoles from him from Japan, and they always arrived fine. Okay. Maybe um, I just got to get the so, like, and I don't know, get a right? bit more like, confidence in sending. Right. Yeah. Well, but it's also you. The biggest thing is the uh, customs. Mm -hmm. Like, what are they going to do when they get it and inspect it? Are they going to not know what it is and 
mess with it a lot, you know? Could be. And also, but I'm going That's really through, the biggest thing. I've been sending through our national post here uh, as well. And as I've understood, uh, I think Shank said he was searching USPS on the other end because he's like, well, who's delivering it? And I'm like, I, I don't know, man. I just went to the post office and sent it. Uh, so we could still type in that tracking code into USPS and then it was able to tell us where it is so i haven't sort of okay. also looked into that i know like dhl have an office here in thailand that i could take stuff to and it's also a bit of a pain to shit like i've got to go down to the post office i've got to fill two forms out one with the address and my address the address my address and then sort of uh i think actually on our business system somewhere i have some sort of automated system to create packing labels because we used to ship merch but just around estonia um, so I probably have a business account somewhere that I could print labels off, but step by step, I'm getting there. Uh, I would like to sell off a bit of my sort of, like I got a controller for 50 bucks. So, I mean, I guess I'll look, I'll be straight up and tell you what I sold and people can tell me whether I was dreaming or whether I gave <laughs> this guy a too good bargain. So remember the, that expensive controller, that GameCube controller from Japan, the Sapphire, uh, Tales of Symphonia one. So I, I ended do. up selling that for 150 uh, Ooh. bucks and so how much did, but how much did you end up buying that for well 15 yeah man let's see that's that's what you gotta really <laughs> look that's at, a sort of thing right? and that's a was... great that's a great that paid for a lot of the stuff that you bought right? right it's one of those items that so the tale of symphonia uh emerald green symphonic green gamecube controller only came with the pack-in for tales of symphonia in japan and france for some reason um and so it was, it's very, it's one of those things that's very hard to price because there's just so few of them and the auctions that are out there are overpriced, just those shitty sort of fishing ones that they're, they're too much. And the, the way the guy put it to me is like, look, here's an eBay auction for the whole package, console, controller, the whole thing for 550 off eBay. You know, if I wanted to, and so then I, and I thought to myself, and like you said, Steve, now I was sort of like... Could I get 200? Would it go up in value over time? I got 150 bucks in my pocket right now. I'm good. You know, maybe yeah. it will, but that now I've got real money, not, I don't know, 250 in a year and a half's time. And right now I'd like some money in that PayPal account to pay for a few other things. So it was an easy one to flip. I already had a guy, he, you know, because he knew the channel, so he trusted me with the PayPal and, and so forth. And then so he was that's like, great. Yeah, then he was like, I what mean, else you got? If you, you sell got? it on eBay, you're going to be paying fees. So There's fees, right. And I'm a bit concerned about that. So maybe that's actually we're already answering our question here that I need to come up with a list of what I want to get rid of and then we just publicize it. You know, I'm sure yeah. I can get it out to enough. Yeah, people. I think that if you do that, so you know, I've seen Roger do that a couple of times with mm. some things he'll have extra of and he wants to offload. He'll put a just a list and some pictures and put out a tweet. And I know that... If you're fair on the price, uh, there's so many people that are looking for random things. Mm. And like you say, that person's looking for this controller to complete their set. And they're looking at these auctions that are good 250 on eBay or something. They don't want to pay that much. Mm -hmm. There's not like those are actually selling for that much every day. Exactly. It's not. It's so hard it could to sit price there it. for six months. Mm. And and you could end up getting sold and then you got to worry is somebody going to return it right or something mm. uh so i think it's a good move to sometimes cash in on this stuff as in that's how you you give somebody else a fair deal off something you found 
and it, it funds a lot of the other things you like to you know get. Yeah, I thought about it for a while. And I thought I don't really use it. I've got I'm not like emotionally tied to it, even though it was fun to you know be able to gonna get it. And then he asked me what else I had, and he was also interested in the N64 Hori controller which I have one of those. And again, found it for five bucks a couple of years ago. That was the, the one thing. And I was playing with it recently when we were talking about N64 and I don't like the stick on it. Uh, it's, it's different. It's more like a GameCube controller stick. And uh, it's not like an N64 stick. And I played it and I was like, uh, I don't like, I just have it now for the collection. And the guy's like, I'll give you another 50 for it if you chuck it in. And I went, done. We're good. Great. Nice. Uh, so yeah, I was happy to sort of make a quick 200 over stuff that wouldn't, I don't think I would probably sit in my drawer anyway. So <laughs> God, I yeah. got to sell some of this stuff. Mm. Yeah. That's a great example. I've never used that Hori controller, um, which it's actually, it, the, the N64 stuff's kind of funny that we're going off on this a uh, little bit right now. Cause mm. I had, you know, we were talking about this and now with this Hori controller, my son is 11 and he recently came and uh we went to the a, a video game store here locally and he kept looking at n64 stuff <laughs> and um he was like well i want to try this 64 stuff out and so i have like four games the only game that is he said he wanted to try mario 64 and i was like well, i don't have that but i have banjo kazooie and he sat there for like three hours playing banjo kazooie and then he was like, yeah, this is a weird controller, you know, because he's 11. has no <laughs> idea. He's like, yeah, it's like this monstrosity. I was <laughs> laughing. I was like, yeah, kind of like Nintendo just threw that at us back mm. in the day. Like it was this three-handed monstrosity. I mean, could you imagine being at the pitch meeting where they were presenting <laughs> that to the Nintendo people? And they sold and they them go on for it. it. Yeah, they sold them on it. And I think back in the day, we... Uh, sort of with all this talk about controllers, I was reflecting a bit. I, I think we didn't think it was so bad. It was weird and different, but I don't think people were complaining about it or like, oh, this would be the end of Nintendo or something like that. It was just weird, and it was like a time of change. We're going to 3D. Everything's nuts. We've got no established norms. Fuck it, sure. Let's have a three-pronged controller. Why not? Right, and it's a, it's it looks so odd. You're definitely going to be drawn to wanting to try it out and see mm. what the heck's going on when it first when it first launched. I really remember that kind of vividly. You know, the N64 era of when things would come out, and yeah, you'd go in, you just see this weird, uh, <laughs> you know, first in the Nintendo magazines. Uh, but it, it, you were you were going to trust it because you had already, uh, you know, at this point, all of us as gamers had already experienced like third party controllers mm. so we knew that the nintendo ones were going to be built right kind of and they were always kind of built right up until the switch controllers kind of funny enough oh, okay but, the joy con drift yeah. yeah so uh but so you trusted the controller because it was coming from nintendo but it was it was a different experience when you first were trying it out mm. so your son was interested in the n64 what was yeah. he was he what did you plug it into the retrotink 2x how did you get it going i did not actually i whipped out a 20 inch uh jvc d series <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh consumer crt and it's sitting inside on uh like a furnace i don't use i just set it up there because uh I was sitting doing something on the main screen and I was like, well, you could just sit here on the tube <laughs> and I plugged that up. I, uh, I used S video, 
because uh, it's not modded. Mm-hmm. And and that'll be a good segue to the next thing because I used some secondary made cables, but that mm-hmm. were really nice. Uh, but I set that up for him, and he was so into it, and he just kept kind of bugging me. And I finally uh, broke down and bought another cart from Cricks for okay. the uh, <laughs> for the ROM cart again mm-hmm. so that he could try out like Mario. I know he'll be really interested in that. So um, I'm, I'm going to have to do some more M64 stuff again. I don't even think I still have. I'm, I'm going to have to redo the Voltar mod because I don't think either of mine have mm-hmm. any mods done to them. Okay. Yeah, the Voltar mod's not too bad. It sort of costs yeah. a little bit more. I mean, I'm, look, and again, no no dagging on, on Voltar's costs go up, but I think it's about 35 bucks these days. Um, mm-hmm. So that's not too bad. So this does segue us into the next topic to talk about, and this is where we also want some, some feedback from you listening. So I got thinking the other day about video cables we talk about this endlessly and we might talk about well we're getting the cables made from some reputable supplier it could be hd retrovision retro access uh retro gaming cables uk maybe insurrection these are known names for quality secondhand cables we know that they're shielded we know that these are good and i've always thought about the way in in the retro community we sort of have this way of talking about the original cables that came from the manufacturer they often presented as the gold standard or they're often presented as the reference standard at least and that if you uh well okay let's say gamecube component cables of course that's an outlier as well but even if you wanted to just take i don't know and uh, super nes multi out component with the two with the red and the the white that's still like a very good way to play composite video. And I started to think like, and maybe the listeners can, can talk about it in the comments. What, are there any cables from the manufacturer that weren't good, that are not the reference standard? Now, I know we could build a better cable today. Sure, we could be the most precise with the most shielding and produce something that's you know, yes, that's got a little better shielding, so that's better than that. But when was the original cable not a good reference? And I'm still struggling to think of them. What did you think about that, Steve? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I'm not, and and, and I'm not uh, certain that I could really think of one off the top of my head where it was an OEM one that didn't perform kind of up mm. to expectations or standard um maybe i'm sure that there was probably some issues with earlier stuff if you go all the way back to like rf maybe there might be something where you'd have certain oem ones might not work as good as a later production just because maybe it's a better filtering who knows uh but i I know that, you know, I, I mean, like you said, I've got a ton of, I grabbed a ton of cables for this segment. Mm-hmm. There's, there's really hard to think of, like, especially if you do even just talk about composite. Okay. It mm-hmm. seems like ever, there's never been a better, like, composite. This is the one <laughs> for the Nintendo sure. N64, yep. all the way up to GameCube. There's never been, like, a better one than the OEM one of this, really. Never anything really to come close, right? These are still the ones you always want are the ones that are from Nintendo that are old. And I mean, they're super long and you don't really notice any kind of quality loss. But then if you go and you get a third party remake, even today of one of these, 
there's a good chance it's crappy. It has just poorly shielded, mm. and and nobody get, cares to make a high quality, like composite video cable. Composite, right yeah, now. that's the thing. So yeah, if you buy from Amazon, AliExpress, yes, this is where we don't know whether we're getting a shielded or unshielded or what the thing is. But then you, as you you rightly point out, the the premium manufacturers that I listed off before, there it seems not bothering to produce composite cables, which tells you either people don't give a shit or they're finding originals. It's not too hard to find originals and they're pretty acceptable. Yeah, or people don't, uh, people might see a lower quality from, or, uh, how much do people like really realize if there is a quality difference between mm. the OEM, unless they're using it like a lot. Like if you were buying one and you got this anyway and however you would use it, would you really be able to tell the difference? Mm. Um, it's a good, you know, you could sit down and probably find a difference in setting them up and using them side by side versus the OEM on a CRT or even through some kind of scaler. But if you're just like buying one to hit the nostalgia fix, how are you even using that composite, right? Are we going into that little crappy sure. <laughs> HDMI thing that we know <laughs> makes things worse? So you're going worse, 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 adding so that, into the line that of demographic, worse. The demographic who's interested in composite output is also the ones who's probably not digging in minute by minute, pixel by pixel. Why are they used? Well, in my mind, there's sort of two broad categories of who's using composite. One is nostalgia person. They're having a hit. They can only use composite. So maybe the TV is just some crappy consumer set. They don't care. They're having fun. Happy days. The other uh, consumer of these cables might be the complete other end of the spectrum, which is like you and me, which is like, oh, I want the best composite cable because I want to try it on my BVM. Yeah. Or yeah, or like I've got a fifteen port Xtron <laughs> composite switcher, and for some reason I want to have fifteen. You know, I want to have every cable and composite going into it. Right. <laughs> so do that. One one example that I I think I'm not talking about, but did come to my mind was it the way that the Mega Drive Two cable had extra components in the cable that they left out, I think this is for RGB, that they left out of the actual unit, um, which I'm not sort of referring to that because that was a design choice by Sega. They wanted to take some resistors and components out. Yeah, and it's the another one that's kind of interesting is when you go, like, for Nintendo, from composite to the S-Video thing. So you okay. do have... Nintendo consoles that output S video, but see when I was when I was like growing up, I never remember seeing mm. a S video an NES cable, like an OEM one. I'm sure there probably are some of them somewhere, and, and maybe if somebody does want to help us out, refer to something in the comments, it'd be great. But I, I just don't remember ever seeing like the Nintendo uh you know, OEM version of an S video cable, even though that would have been capable, uh, like I said, even up in the GameCube. And you would think by then mm. there might be something like that. But actually, let's take a quick mental audit. So I know the PS1 can output S video and composite and RGB, not component. 
So there are plenty of, at least when I was going through the bins in Japan, uh, plenty of PlayStation S video cables and good ones. Good, okay. good, good ones too. Um, because also another factor of all of this is particularly in Japan, uh, Sony licensed out their stuff. So you can get officially licensed hoary component uh, uh, S-video and composite cables and they're thick. You know, they're thick like a motherfucker and they're good. I think Fujiworks is another one that if you see the Fujiworks brand, wasn't typically in the West at all. They are licensed. And you can just, sometimes you can just look at a cable and go like, dang, this thing's good. Like it's heavy enough. It's not some shitty little cable on the end. So still though kind of falls into the same first party category of like, uh, Hori and Fuji Works, they were licensed. You know, they were officially licensed to be to be put out. So I've seen Sony have those. You could get those. Then what have we got? The multi-out one for uh, Nintendo. I've not seen that. So, the think. yeah, like there was, I don't remember, you know, of course, none of the unmodded original NES systems or unmodded uh, Sega Genesis will natively output S-Video. Uh right okay. through yeah so they don't natively do that uh so you've got you know at least rgb coming out unmodded from a genesis and mm -hmm. from the super nintendo i can't remember i believe the super nintendo uh i have a modified one that does put out s video i believe they normally do too so my that's mm -hmm. when it like starts and then uh but but i don't remember Again, like there ever being an emphasis on that cabling, mm. um, even though it would have been like you would think it would have been like an upsell feature more of our time than it probably was. Mm. But I think that maybe um, PlayStation obviously had a more of a market for that where they did want you to be taking advantage of whatever upgrade you could. for visual. So you could plug it into right? your nice sunny TV and look amazing yeah. on your nice sunny TV. Because Sony had S video on their televisions, you know, sure. all the way back to the early '90s, so they would have been more. Sure, and more the um, the 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 very original uh, first one or two models of the PlayStation One had S video built in. They were the the, the real early PlayStation Ones had the uh, RCAs built in and an S video built in. Uh, oh, I'm did? trying to think of they had dongles wow. that would do it. So I'm trying to think it, oh, yeah. it's even in PS1 era in that time, they were at least from what I've seen in Japan, Sony were offering those. I don't know about the States and we didn't get nothing in Australia. Yeah, I remember um, too that like, do you remember the original Xboxes? It would come with, mm. you would get a cable that was composite from Xbox, but then they'd offer, they didn't, I don't think they offered an official S video cable. They offered like a multi box mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. that is a short box that has S video and then composite. And then your stereo audio on there in RCA form and the S video in. And then there was the more desirable comp component out box mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. again was not cables. It was the out box. Um, that's one that's solution. Like, I have that the Xbox one. I found that one on the mm -hmm. trip, the composite one. And I the, and the other one's called the one's called the A V pack and the other one's called the H D A V pack or something. Right. So right, so they're not so. even getting into the cable business there. They're saying BYO, bring your own S V yeah. cable. Because they were like, We're not even dealing with the shielding issue. Mm. That's 
that's on you, right? That's pretty, that was a pretty good idea. And that's one of the only times I can think of where you had a product that was a cabling product that had S video and composite together on the same thing. And it actually worked right. Cause everybody else said, stay away from the third party things that are made that have both mm. composite and S video like on it, you know, and they're all like, it's like multiple what it can use. And then it might have three or four different console heads on the other end. So it's like a multiple Mm. Um, in out thing that's like the only one i could think of is that little xbox box would do it i have actually funny you speak of xbox because i was just i'll show you before we finished here i hooked up my xbox 360 i was playing it on the bvm four by three in 480i it looks fine it looks great sorry but i all i do have and i bought it specifically a couple of years ago was the xbox 360 uh, s video cable so it seems for the next generation xbox or microsoft went to just cabling solutions and the mm -hmm. s video it's an official microsoft comes in that green and white blister pack and has s video and composite on the end of it and when i want to plug the and i keep it for the s video uh, capabilities of the 360 so 360 so microsoft can do 360 it. had a bunch so, of weird like first yeah. party stuff from microsoft that were output options from that device it's pretty mm. pretty wild because i'll run across junk bins with something i've never seen you know it'll be some kind of connector from that 360 era just odd it's interesting because they spanned the uh spanned the gamut really of the from that that end of the analog era into hd so those very first 360s didn't even have a hdmi they've got that big chunky av connector and yeah, you could get a composite, you get S video, uh, VGA. I've got the official Microsoft VGA one, which is very nice for getting 240p directly out of, sorry, 480p directly out of those consoles. Um, I do not have an official Xbox 360 RGB cable. I have a knockoff one, which works fine uh, whenever I need to plug in a SCART or something like that, but not the official one. And... Yeah, then later later models, of course, introduced the HDMI cable. Uh, there was some extra dongles. You could get uh, the AV... You get the audio breakout dongle. There, so there were dongles. You could get an audio breakout dongle for the 360 that would break out your regular audio and your digital audio. That was a thing. And maybe the one you're thinking of was in the final models. I think they called them the 360E. The composite was supplied by a 3.5 mil jack that broke out to red, uh, white, and yellow. And I think because by the, the end of that era, by the time the 360E was come out, it was all HDMI. It was all digital. And it's very interesting that by the end of that era, now analog was... Yeah, the the crappiest little thing that they could do to still yeah. enable it on the console. So yeah, you're right. You can see many sorts of Xbox 360 cables. Yeah. So that's I mean, and then there's mm. so many. Um, like I mean, now some we're talking about third the good third party. This mm. is an insurrection industries. I've got a couple of these. This is the S video cable, <laughs> and really when these are in stock, they're your they're your best options. Um, and I really wish, like we talked about, that somebody would come out and make a high quality like this of composite. <laughs> and I think it would sell, right? Because there's enough of us nerds and there's not 
you don't make a thousand of them, you know, it would be a couple hundred probably minimum, but, hmm. uh, you know, so there's there's definitely a difference, and like if you feel the difference in these cablings, like, you know, this is HD Retrovision. Uh, get the best RGB for like any of this, but you could just tell how thick mm. you know this cabling is, and it's 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 definitely high quality um, stuff. So there's there's easy, you know, you, the third party stuff now on anything really is suspect right that's not coming from one of the vendors we talked about anything that's reproduced now it's like um you kind of have to just guess if you like you say if you can't find for composite if you need composite your best option is still try to find an oem because yeah hit it up you on definitely eBay, don't know what you're getting if with third party of that yeah i think also well in fairness to some other third party i was going to say i mean i've had good luck with uh for example the foo on ebay which is a name that comes up fairly often mm -hmm. so they're just he's just a guy in poland who makes cables and i've bought three or four now and they're all good they're all handmade by him but admittedly sure i didn't know the vendor at first so i've got to take a risk uh his cables are not too bad and the shipping from poland was quite cheap so like 20 for the cable for the cheapest cable whatever he was getting and uh and then five for the postage so you know i was i took a bet and went ah these are good cool i can order more from this guy but i had to take that risk yeah, and I mean, personally, I do get a lot of people that surprisingly every year request me to make them cables. <laughs> but at this point, I'm like, I mean, I can't like, yeah. I know what it takes to make good cables and I don't really want to, uh, you know, hmm. it, it's a lot of work. Um, and I'm, I don't do it enough. Like my hands, though, you know, they're not, <laughs> they're not fast at that. So hmm. it's like I just basically tell them, hey, your best option is just to go still get it from one of the good vendors. Definitely. Those guys have done all that work. They've got the supply chains. It's not as simple. I mean, maybe if you're just making a few, you can hand make them and put them together and ensure that. Yeah, but, but then you got to like sort of buy scale. the supplies, you know, and you got it, it takes a while. You can't just buy like enough for one cable. Hmm. It's it's not it's it's a cost thing of you got to buy a lot of cable to save money on it. It's a different. It's expensive, <laughs> like the copper cable. It's quite pricey now. All right, so let's so, yeah. move on. Yeah. To, so yeah. Anyway, um, just before we leave, so if you've got some thoughts, please leave them in the comments. What OEM cables have we overlooked? Maybe uh, I don't know. I go back to Neo Geo or something more obscure, possibly like that. Uh, what? Where would I not want to? Maybe I'm just gonna think. I'll take a risk on maybe some old Master System stuff. But anyway, please leave your thoughts below. Okay, we got. What do we want to do? We want to do the J. We'll talk about the JVCs or general CRT. Yeah, prices. let's start. Well, let's. That's a let's good. The JVCs. We could start with the JVCs. So let yeah. me uh, first off. Let me pull up this screen share here, and it should be coming up if you're mm -hmm. visually able to see this right now. Yep. Um, and this is a auction. By the time we talk, by the time you're watching this, this auction will have closed, mm -hmm. right? Because I mean, it closes in seven hours from now when we're talking about it. <laughs> so. Uh, Lewis, can you see it? Yes. Yeah, I see it. I'm okay, trying to just great. maximize it, but I definitely see it. It's all good. Okay. So what we've got here, and, and this is like some intriguing photos. This was shared with me yesterday. And uh, I got – I tried to switch through the photos. But maybe it's locking up here. Uh, but anyway, mm -hmm. it's 25 JVC iArt CRTs. And this is a flat screen component 
input CRT that's uh, four by three. And I mean, they all look pretty much brand new, right? Mm. So it's 25 of them and 27 inches flat screen TV. And when I was shared this, it was at the starting bid. Like nobody had bid on it at all. And so I was like, wow, that's actually kind of intriguing because you go down here and it tells you where it's located. And this right here is a uh, area outside of like Washington, D.C. So this would I mapped it and it would take me two and a half hours to get there. Okay. Like from not, where I live. Not so far. So, you know. so doable, right? Mm -hmm. So that's uh, that was what kind of got me intrigued. Sorry about that one. But on this originally. And uh, so I will stop the sharing there because that's not important for the rest of the part of this. So I, I started mm -hmm. to like look into this. And this is again when the CRTs were at $0. Right now they're at 500 uh, for the lot, which is more than I was thinking <laughs> go for. But what happened was it got shared around everywhere on the internet. It's probably seen by a hundred thousand people. And then once the cat's out of the bag, everybody has the grand idea of going and buying these things. Right. But as a business owner in the CRT business, I can give all of you um, a sneak peek into like the business mindset cost analysis of what actually it takes to, uh, bring all these CRTs, you know, from this place mm -hmm. and get them ready to put out there on the marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. Just from a business sure. standpoint. Let's break it all down because it sounds break awesome. Break it all down. Right now it's right. 20 bucks a unit. Oh, 20 bucks. That's great for a like you exactly. in box. But let's, we've got to deal with 25 of them. So start yes, us off. Yes, 25 of them. Okay. So this is just, this is not even talking about the, t let's just go into the costs. And these are all costs that no matter what you do, you're not going to get away from it unless you're directly in that area. Okay. So, um, the cost is definitely, it's going to take one day after you buy them, it's going to take a full day to go out there, get them, bring them back and offload them into a storage area. Okay. Uh, that is, uh, I, I, you know, that's roughly six or seven hours labor. Mm -hmm. It's two people doing that. Mm. So if you do like a labor table of how much that's going to cost, like temporary labor, you're looking at $160, if not a little bit more, in the cost for two people to do this. So that's a business expense right there. Um, the next is, of course, the truck. So I looked at the U-Haul uh, truck rental pricing for this, and uh, I got that completely cost, cost analysis done for the truck rental. And just for the single day, the total cost for the truck would have been $545. What? And, yeah. And let me, and I'll break this all down for you. So it, you get on their website and they give you this, oh, you can rent the truck for $40 for the day. Okay. okay. So the rental fee is $40 for the day, except they have also there in the fine print. It's a dollar a mile. So the trip out there and back was a total of, and going to the storage would have been a total of 330 miles. <laughs> and so breaking that down, that is another $330 or $325 plus the $40 to rent. And then you have the one day of insurance because you're not going to drive this crazy truck into Washington, D.C. without the extended insurance because if anything can happen, right? Okay. So that's $80. And then the fuel, and then you're paying for the fuel, which is another $100 for fuel for driving out there uh, based on the MPG of these trucks. 
And uh, so that all is going to be so right at the beginning, your labor to get the things and uh, and the truck costs is right over seven hundred dollars just in that. Uh, Then I checked out the storage rentals and to get the right size storage rental to house that many uh, CRTs that big, it was a ninety five dollar a month. Hmm. Uh, that sounds about right for sure, the storage. Sure, okay, sure. so um, if you think about that, there's no way you're going to be emptying out that storage unit faster than one year. Okay, yeah. right? Because that would mean you were selling two per month, and that would be basically going in every two weeks and getting one refurbished and then selling it, mm-hmm. and then doing that every two weeks for a year, and then they'd be finally out of them. It's just that's the timetable it would take. So that's another $1,140 for the storage rental for the year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right at that point, you're at 1845 total uh, for all of that. Then um, the CRTs themselves, even though they're new in box, if you're going to sell them in market, you're going to need to open them up refurbish them correctly, test them, and do basically three to four hours of labor average on each one of them professionally. And so, um, you know, for Patreon members, I do that now, and that costs basically $200 for them to get it done to their CRT, right? Mm. For me to check it like that, do a full diagnostics and kind of thing. So that times 25, I mean, that's a $5,000 cost of things I'm putting into each one of those CRTs um, at the end of the day. Now, that is a cost, you know, you're going and doing as you go. So as you sell it, you recoup that cost every time. So it's not like the one that you're putting out immediately, right? Like the first bit. It's more of a as it goes. Um, So, wow, you got all that plus the final cost of the auction here, which let's say it ends up at $800. Then Mm. you're going to pay taxes and a 12% fee. So you're looking at $1,000, let's say, that it would cost for these 25 units. Um, that literally puts that total cost estimate between $7,200 and like $8,000 is like my estimated cost on that. So that's – and uh, that is like a business estimate. You know, you know, you know what yeah, I'm talking yeah, about yeah, here. Yeah. So, um so this brings us to a total amount just to own it. Not even, and again, you're coming from a business breakdown, not even adding my, not even adding profit. My quick sums right now on a bit of paper are about 300 bucks a unit to, to break all that down to plus your cost of your time. Well, okay, you probably... And, guess- and that's no, that's, and yeah, and you can't make a, that's not making a profit, mm. right? And then, so nobody's in business to do that. So normally they would basically be have to be double that price, double the cost to sure. cover taxes, to cover uh, a profit to where you're actually worth making money. So then, I, so that's what I did. I took that estimate and then just basically doubled it to what you'd have to do to have to make sure you have profit built in. And so you're looking at like six hundred to six hundred and fifty dollars that you'd have to resell each one of those units for, and. That's a whole and I'll do all that, you know, all this work and stuff. It's a lot. It's a lot to to unpack and to like do. And then what if you get stuck? Nobody wants them. I mean, I know it's like uh, a like there you 
it's it sounds like a, a dream, but you can't, you know, how many people want to pay that much? The other problem is that a lot of people don't think about is the size of these. If this was like 25, 13-inch CRTs, yeah. that's a whole different ballgame, mm -hmm. especially if they were new, came in the boxes, and they were the JVC ones like this. Then you're like, well, of course, I would be more intrigued because the storage is less, the um, size is less, the truck is less, and then you would also be able to sell them much quicker, mm. much easier for around the same price, right? I mean, a restored one would go for the same. And, and people can easily put a 13-inch CRT in their collection, just about anybody. But a 27-inch is a pretty massive uh, it's CRT. It's huge. That's, I mean, yeah, 13, you could move. You wouldn't need the storage. You could probably fit I mean, just a larger car that you borrowed from your friend or with a trailer or something. So you've really cut down a lot of the costs there. So, so let's say there's 650. Uh, now, 27-inch, if you're going to sell them, you're going to have to ship it to an end customer as well, which what? How much? What sort of range? Yeah, of course, that depends cost, on the distance. But that's going to cost an average of two hundred and fifty dollars is mm -hmm. about the cost right now to get it shipped to somebody in the majority of the United States okay. from where I'm located. Uh, unless you're way out there and somewhere, uh, that's most of it, and that's using you ship where it's just they come. Pick it up. It's not any kind of ground shipping. I would never ship it anything that big in ground shipping. If I don't think you can. More about that. So, but yeah, so that that is uh, at two fifty. It may be three hundred because it's so much bigger. Sure. Like it depends if the truck, if the trucker doesn't care. Uh, but the see the thing is a twenty seven inch box can't usually fit that in like on your seat hmm. of like hmm. your car or you like the inside cab because yeah. a lot of these guys are just picking it up extra as they're going along okay yeah. and that's why they'll do it for cheap because hmm. it's like i was along this route this will cover a tank of gas for me that's what they always usually tell me and oh. uh but once you get that 27 it's just so big it's like it's own, it's like shipping a washing machine so the question then at the end of all of this, which is not, not, this is a business perspective again. We'll talk at the end a little bit about, well, is there, you know, could be a, be a community effort? It's a different thing. Let's go business. So we're looking closer to a grand. By the time you did it all, closer yeah, to a grand are. each, their cost, by the, and it's going to cost someone for the unit, for the shipping. So then the question becomes, are there enough people, are there 25 people out there, or 24, you want to keep one for yourself, that will pay a thousand dollars, and this is very interesting. Please leave your thoughts in the comments, like because there are a lot of people that yeah. are freaking would you, desperate. Would you? How would you feel about that? Like, mm. would you be willing to? And, you, and here's the thing: think about it like this: it's you are paying somewhat for convenience because you're going to get this thing basically hand mm. delivered straight to your door. You'll have some support with it, so it's not like you're just buying it from eBay. Maybe it ships here. This is guaranteed to get to you. Is it? Is that something that like $1,000 sounds like a good thing for? Or is it like, oh, my gosh, $1,000 for a CRT that mm. I could maybe keep an eye out on Facebook Marketplace and find you know, an, a listing for $50 or less? I suspect that actually there's a market for the $1,000 versions out there. That there are people who, you know, because you factored in, not just getting it and moving it, that you actually factored in time to look at it, open it up, just have a quick sanity check. These are, and we're presuming these are new inbox. 
So we're presuming these are new old stocks. So new old stock of a CRT, let's say it was looked at by you, guaranteed, not some dickhead who just chucked it on UPS. I, I'm not saying this is a good business deal. I'm saying there's a huge risk, but I do think there are people who would pay a thousand bucks for that thing. But it's a truck, ton, literal truck ton of work to make that happen. Right. It is a hard way to earn a living if that's mm. what you, you know. And I dare say, I reckon they wouldn't be as nice as you on the pricing. I reckon if someone's going to all of that, they're going to push that up more than a grand. And Yeah, and it's it's literally brack, back, brack, back-breaking work yeah. because it's a 27-inch CRT. Again, thirteen inches you can move around. Twenty-seven mm-hmm. inches, you know, you move you move twenty-five of those around for a year, and tell me you don't need ten thousand dollars with a back <laughs> rehab, right? It's it's a lose situation almost, mm-hmm. which is kind of tragic in the sense. But I um, I just thought it was a fun discussion to kind of show the business side, so yeah. that when people see something like this, uh, it gives an interesting perspective and and a true like. These are good numbers. We saw a few posts about, I mean, people trying to get together and can we pull the money and so forth. And I think this discussion is good because even if there was a community effort, so uh, you've still got to find someone in Washington who's got that storage space, who's got a truck to move it. Okay, maybe your dad works at a place and they got room at the back and you can borrow the truck. Yeah, I mean, cool if you can, cool. But then you've still got to shift all of that uh, later on so it does seem again keep coming back to your point 27 inch this is a tough one to do it on yeah i was thinking that even if you did it as a community effort yet people volunteer you're you're not getting away from those truck costs hmm. right i mean I, even like the the thing is is people don't understand is you could go and say like oh my dad even if like somebody's like oh my dad owns a truck or something you have to take it out of service from his business. And then it's not going to be like, I know the way insurance companies work. It's not really technically probably insured for your little joy ride <laughs> to go pick up TVs. So all it takes is one serious accent to ruin everything. And that's why you have to do it like this, where you rent the equipment, you buy the extra insurance while you have it, because you know that if something does happen, you're okay, right? I mean, because anything can happen in a car where somebody gets a million dollars worth of injuries in the United States. That happens. Um, so, like, even if you get the labor for free, you're still looking at however much it's going to cost you to get the truck, fuel, insurance, and mileage. And then you'll have to store it until all the people from the community come together and, you know, finally come and pick it up. And if you're trying to do a community buy where basically you're splitting this 25 ways and each person's just paying like 75 bucks, I'd, I'm I'm sorry, but I think a lot of people are just going to be like, yeah, I want it. And then like, you know, three uh-huh. months later, they'll have never shown up to actually pick it up. And you'll be still incurring the cost of having this stored for a while and then having to, you know, offer it up to somebody else, be some awkward stuff. So, I mean... Uh, hopefully it all works out for them because I've, I mean, I'll tell you the truth. I've, after all this, I wouldn't bid on this hmm. job anyway. So I won't be, uh, it's, you know, hmm. my health is too important Yeah, right to now. move that many it's of them. It's too much right now. 
So, now this comes back. I wish kind him of, luck, though. To lo- you, we spoke in, in previous episodes, and I was asking about uh, recyclers in the last episode, and like, why are they breaking everything down? And more to the point, why are they selling things in such large lots and and this sort of industrial thing? So this this company, they, I mean, you said they might get eight hundred, maybe a grand at best out of this lot, and they're sort of happy to take a grand. And just get it done. Or 800, like you say, and get it done. And then they don't have to store 25, 27-inch monitors. Because I started to think, like, is a 27-inch big enough that they could even sell them one by one? It's just a box. No? What's your experience? Right. So, no, no. It's not going to be one by one. The thing is, this this is coming from a government auction site. Okay. Okay? So this is slightly different. Because the government isn't reliant on uh, turning a profit to store stuff. So what they've done is this has all come from what I believe is a school or something. Uh, now, that's the other thing. Without looking at them, are they all from the school? And did the school keep the boxes and just throw them all back in the boxes? Or day. were they actually bought at the end of like a life cycle of a school that maybe never opened? Hmm. And they just sat in a warehouse and now they've been moved over to this last warehouse put up for auction now because this other site may be closed down and they're not interested in selling it as one. They're just, it's a lot like everything that they sell is a lot. Like you get on their website, it's all lots of things. So you have to usually go and buy at least a small truckload worth of stuff to get anything from them. Uh, So they're, they could care less if it sells for $1 or 5,000. It, all that does, the only person making the profit is like the eBay slash GovDeals style website will take a cut. And the rest of it is just going into some kind of general funding uh, for for that local government. Okay. Could be like, San, you know, some kind of area that whatever the money that comes out of that goes into um, that local municipality. Sure. So okay. there's not so actually they, a yeah. business in that scenario. The other one we were talking about is an actual business scenario where somebody is relying on turning a profit with every transaction. Mm. So that was more of a – that's why you'd have more of an aggressive approach to getting rid of the stuff. Um, sure. And they'd be more open to make deals. And uh, But it's that they kind also, of business thing. Yeah. yeah. So they're trying to make – profit every minute they're open it's interesting actually um so i was going back through so the account is who we were talking about this community effort to do that and we're specifically talking about we're doing this on the wednesday before i know this will be released next week but the account save the crts it's a twitter account lots of good images doing good work no you know disrespect they need that and that's why i think this podcast is going to be interesting because there's a few lines in here uh wouldn't require a real investment up front. Well, just of the units or of the shipping cost, of storage cost, as you say. Uh, a lot of people DMing the person they've written. Uh, the last line. These sets can be obtained affordably if we work together to eliminate scalping. Yeah, right. And this is what I think you're, this is why your explanation is so interesting. I I yeah, mean, if someone wants to have a go at scalping... Like, a scalp... It sounds like a scalping price. Like, when you just go out and openly say, oh, look, you could get this JVC CRT, but it's cost $1,000, right? Mm. It it gives off that... 
almost like, right, there's going to be half the people that are immediately going to think scalping and, and you'd have to convince them otherwise when they hear that. Mm. So I don't like personally, I never take any offense to that because I know that most of the time people aren't talking about my work. But at the same time, compared to that to just mm. me doing the normal thing of restoring people's PVMs they have for the fair price and not having to house and do all this extra stuff. That's why for me, it still makes more sense to me to just keep doing what I'm doing and stay out of this big deal on yeah. these, this one. Right. But, that, that, that last line does make you think that the person hasn't quite thought through the logistics of how much this actually is. Like if you could move it for, yeah, if you could a thousand, yeah, a thousand bucks seems straight up, not completely like completely fair price to make a profit if something like that. But uh, and well, then if it's fifteen hundred, the idea yeah. of the scalper might be like someone that just goes and is in, like, oh, I know about CRTs, and I live in DC, and I've got this storage space there. Yeah, well, maybe, like, yeah I'm going to get them all, and then they'll say, "All right, well, I'll sell it for a thousand or twelve hundred dollars a set, just mm -hmm. as is, right, without actually doing any of the work, but just mm -hmm. taking like my estimation numbers and selling it for that." And that way they're just making nothing but bank every time, right? And they're not really doing anything. That is, uh, I think, fair game to see somebody like that is a scalping situation where they're not actually, you know, putting the cost in and they're making 10 times the money. Mm -hmm. that, so, because they don't yeah. Have the extra cost. I mean, what is this scalping? How much, this raises the question of how much a markup constitutes a scalper? Because even, okay, let's say, there's uh, Evil Steve, and Evil Steve <laughs> goes, fuck it, I'm right. not going to test them. I'm just going to throw them off the truck, throw them into some dinky water leaky place that I've got, and then stick them in whatever to get them to the next people and still charge a 1000 still charge 1200 bucks. Like, yes, that person, the way I've described them, don't sound like a reputable seller. On the other hand, they have still moved 25, 27-inch monitors. That is a lot a lot of stock to move. Are you a scalper if you move with your own hands, move that much stock? To me, a scalper is someone who just flips things. I got some tickets. I'm not moving yeah. anything. It's yeah. a video game. I can easily sell. When you have to move that much, are you really a scalper anymore? <laughs> Dang, bro. I had to move these 27. Yeah. Yes, they it's can be overpriced. I but I just see a lot of scalpers are in it for that. This is not, I don't think this is a quick buck. Even your estimations are like, it's going to take a year. Let's say you even move them over the course of the next six months. It'll take you six months at best yeah, to ship That's all literally that. me doing a, a, yeah. a restoration every week for the next six sure. months. But let's and say it's not. Let's say you've, you've got to find <laughs> all those dudes who are going to do the one ship, a reasonable shipping, who are coming through to ship 25 monitors. To me, when you say scalper, it sounds more like someone's making an easier, quicker buck than this. They've got to put a lot of money and time down to do this. I don't know. Like, if someone does it, it's... If you're a shifty person and you are doing this, wow. You really are yeah, putting a lot on I don't line. see... That's what I'm saying. It. Like, there's not... Um, for me to do nothing with them... The cost was still uh, a couple grand, hmm. you know? You're still putting in a couple grand 
And if you're selling them for $300, $400 a piece or more, I mean, that's what I'm saying. If you're, if someone gets in there and thinks that like $400 is a scalper price just for grabbing them and flipping them to people, think about that. That's not really, right? That's, oh, yeah. that's like I'm not making any money. I mm-hmm. just took all the irresponsibility of doing all this stuff. And then you've literally got to sell five of them to break even. And then you're like, okay, then I got 20 left. 20 left, yeah. Yeah, and then you're like, okay, now I can either make money off of these 20, mm-hmm. right? Or, But you still, then you're going to just still keep going up on the cost on it because the more you have it, the longer you have it, the longer um, it goes. Like, I could see I could see somebody that, like, there's these companies that Shank was telling me about that organize Super Smash Bros. tournaments, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And if they were a kind of company, they already have a truck, and they're like, holy crap, here's mm-hmm. all these good CRTs. I could see that being a good path forward for that because they are getting paid to reuse these things. Mm-hmm. And from what I what we've talked about before, they're using some pretty terrible CRTs sure, sometimes yeah. now. So I would see like that kind of company would be like drooling at these kind of listings where they could go through. Uh, uh, but I, I even thought about like the places I've shown videos, the con- conventions I've been mm-hmm. to. And how I would show their CRTs. If I even talked to those owners, they wouldn't care. They wouldn't barely. I mean, they're they're even them. They're like they have hundreds of CRTs. They go bad all the time, mm. but they don't have a, still a problem finding big twenty of over twenty five inch CRTs sure. for free. And basically, people will bring them to them mm. because again, that larger form of a CRT is hard to deal with. Uh, yeah, and I wonder, you, you spoke about the, the melee organizers, let's say. So, yeah, all the melee organizers sitting around in every small town and village, <laughs> of course, has a great melee scene with plenty of people who would do this. But even then, like, to get it into a venue, tw- I get 27 very different to 20, very different to, let's say, a 13 or a 14. I've got a whole 27 inches around. I'm going to need trolleys. I'm going to need a lift. There's, you just can't be hauling these around by hand. You would, so you would need to know that you're going to venues that have, I, well, I, maybe I could lift it off the back of the truck, but I've got to at least be able to trolley it in. Uh, there's I a mean, lot of risk it, Taking that, there. yeah, taking that places, moving it around all the time. There'd be so many of them that would get dr- dropped. People would, mm. you would have so many like, the business would have so many injury claims from like <laughs> workers comp that they would go out of business because they couldn't afford it. Like they'd have so many back injuries and foot injuries right. from people dropping them on their foot. And, uh, it, it, that's, that's the biggest issue to me too. Is like, that's, that's always the issue. It, the big CRTs are not hard to find. Mm. I had the same conversation with Steve, the owner of Brooklyn video games when I was there. A uh, couple weeks back, where he will, if you're in New York City and you need a CRT, he sells them. He has them in his shop. They're consumer sets, mm. and they're good ones. I mean, they're ones I would buy. They're 13 inch ones, like 75 bucks is the average price. I think he said he puts on them. Sure. They all work. And he told me the same thing. He's like, look, I can sell 13 inches easy, mm. 20 inches sometimes. But anything over that, nobody wants. It's true. It's like anything over that is too big, especially like New York City, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. You got to move so, that around. Um, that's a good plug for him if you want to go find one in New York City. Go to his shop, and I bet you he's got some there. Mm. But he, uh, yeah, it's just the 27 inches is a whole new uh, problem. 
It is. I was, um, I know, we'll probably wrap it up soon. We'll be going for an hour. Yeah. But this morning, I was talking to Shank, and he's always like, I got this GameCube thing. It's amazing. He's always got something, right? And he's like, why aren't you playing Melee in 960p? And I'm like, what the fuck would I be playing Melee? Why aren't you playing it in 1080p? I'm like, what the fuck would I be? And uh, he's like, you got to try it. It's amazing. And uh, so he was showing me screenshots. And I think that's what I was saying to him. Well, the one, the one big thing I don't have is a 16 by 9 CRT. And uh, we will get, we'll get to it on the next episode. I was gonna, there is one available locally. Phillips one, zero euros. I'll give away the plot ending. Zero euros it costs. <laughs> but I've then got to haul it. I've then got to put it in my storage room. And, I mean, I haven't got room in this studio. Look at this room. And this room is on the fifth floor with no elevator. So, yes, I, I think if it was a Sony one, I would go pick it up and pay for it. But I know the Philips one's still good. I don't know. I'm just... Man, I'll tell you that even the 20, the 24-inch widescreen Sonys, are, mm. they weigh a ton. So it's like that's the smallest widescreen you're probably going to get. Most of them are bigger mm. than that. Yeah. Those things are a massive challenge to move around. Like, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I yeah, have not no so. interest in those widescreens right now because of the, mm. basically the size. For that, I have an academic interest. Yes, I would like to keep them. And uh, I know that there's less CRTs definitely available here to grab one while I can. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, man, we've been tough. going. We're going for the yeah. hour now. So why don't we keep that uh, our, our CRT sale discussion for next episode so we still Sounds got good. more to come. We've got the yeah. hour there. Yeah, and we can see, you know, next what happens with this mm. sale because we can follow on twitter and see uh who actually buys it probably. yeah when's the it was a two days time you said oh i can see it here but no okay, it's the... still it's not even it's like one day it's, oh auction uh, ends eight, yeah, yeah 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 auction ends like in the next eight hours so it's gonna be so interesting to get it's that gonna be done week. before this goes live so it'll definitely be published and out there we'll we'll talk mm. about the final sales price next time and see um See if it gets actually happens. That'd be pretty yeah. interesting. All right. Good luck to everyone if you are bidding on those and tell. I would love to if you got a story because I mean, if you do oh to goodness, get together yeah. trying to do it, tell us, please. Someone tell us this story. Uh, if it goes down like this, like if it goes down, then whoever's doing that moving, we got to talk to them on the podcast. I was going to say, yeah, you open yeah. invite uh, to whoever if you do buy this and you mm. want to come on and <laughs> talk about talk about it. Yeah. Talk about it and what, how it went down. I'd love to hear it. And uh, if you had other solutions to this stuff, you're welcome to talk about it. I think it'd be a really cool discussion. All good. All right. Thanks, everyone, for watching. See you on the next Cathode Ray podcast.